We are so glad that you are here. My name is Daniel Kaznave, and it's an honor and a privilege to be with you um, here this morning. Every day is a gift. Amen? And so as we look today, uh, we're in a series. If you were here last week, uh, Tim Hayes did just a wonderful job of walking us through uh, the beginning of the series and setting this whole series up. And much like slow pitch softball, he just kind of teed us up, right? Talked about how it must overflow in us, that it's got to be real to us in order for us to help reach those who are around us. And as we think about this series, just the beginning, I really uh, felt led that uh, this series needs to be evangelistic in nature. And when I say that, uh, meaning we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about how God changes our lives and not just for us. Uh, but also that we can take this message and we can share it with someone else. We can take this life-changing story and help someone else see that this is just the beginning, right? Like when we give our lives to Jesus, it's just the beginning. And not only that, at the end of the month, uh, we always celebrate our anniversary as a church. And so January 28th, we have our anniversary service. And for us as a church, one of the things we always highlight, God has done some amazing things this past year and we're going to celebrate all of those things, but also we say it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning for our church and what God is doing. We're laying the foundation for what he's going to do, and we like to take that time to cast vision into the future as well. Here's where we're going. Here's where God's leading us, all of those different pieces. But today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, phones, iPads, whatever you like, Luke chapter 15. We're going to have it on the screens for you as well. Um, we're going to be there in just a few moments, but today I want to talk about the desire of God, the desire of God. And so let me pray and just ask God just to speak during this time. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth, and your power. I thank you for saving. Thank you for giving us wisdom and direction. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase, God. I pray that you would be with those uh, who I know there are many who are um, seeking healing and peace during this time, God, that you would be with Camden, that you would be with Amy, that you would be with uh, Dave's continual healing as well. And uh, God, I just pray for supernatural comfort and peace uh, that just fall over them, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us. I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase, God. I pray that we'll just lean in and our hearts would be softened uh, to what your word says and that we would look to grab our desires and attach them to yours, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We talk about the word desire, uh, and we talk about what are desires. So if you desire something and I desire something, that means we really long, we really want to see something happen in our lives, right? And I would even say in our culture, when we say I desire this, it's almost a little stronger, right, language than I, I want this to happen or I like this. But if somebody came to you and said, hey, I desire this to happen or I desire you you'd be like oh right like because there's a stronger language of going I desire this to happen in my life and we as we look at 2024 there's a lot of desires that we may have in our lives we may desire uh, to try to get healthier we may desire that our kids would experience something we may desire uh, something in our marriage we may uh, desire something at work I really want this to happen I really desire it means I have this strong Longing is something that I want to see, right? We're really leaning into that, the desires that we have. But as a Christian, and as we mature and grow as Christians, uh, we want to ask the question, God, what do you desire? What do you long to see in our world? What do you long 
to see in my life? What do you long to see in my family, in my marriage, in the people that are around me, in my relationships? And God, what do you long to see in my neighborhood? What do you long to see in my city? And as, as we grow in, in maturity in our walk with God, we want to go to God first and go, God, what are your desires? And then I want to realign my desires and attach them to your desires, God. I want, to, I want to see what you long to see. I want to see what you're passionate about. And today, uh, as we look at Luke chapter 15, we get a picture of the desire of God. We get to see the heart of God in real life. In Luke chapter 15, if you've grown up in church before, you've been uh, around church or been to Bible studies, you've probably heard this story before. It's fairly popular. And if you haven't, you're in for a treat. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus begins to teach. And it's one of the most prominent ways that Jesus teaches. And he uses parables. And a parable is a story. In fact, it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus would use this to paint a picture of a particular truth. And oftentimes when we read Luke chapter 15, maybe you've read it before, and we look at it through the lens of those who are lost, which this is completely about those who are lost, but there's also other layers to it. And in fact, the target audience that Jesus is talking to are religious leaders of the day. You're going to see, we're going to read here verses uh, 1 and 2 just to set the stage here. It says, now, that, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them, Right? And so we see this, uh, the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're religious leaders of the day, uh, meaning they were in the temple, they were leading people, they were saying, I'm giving my life to pursuing God, and I'm also leading other people. And so they would fast, they would do all of these things. Uh, they were considered the religious leaders of their day, and there's different, you see Pharisees and Sadducees, because they believe different things, almost like different denominations. Uh, some believe that there was going to be a resurrection. Some believe that there didn't. And so they kind of separated on a couple different topics. And so you have Pharisees and Sadducees. But they were both kind of grouped together in this religious society, this religious leadership of the day. And so what we see here in verses 1 and 2 is, is they came to Jesus. And Jesus was saying he's the son of God. And they started getting mad because Jesus came. And you would think the Son of God would go, who is the best religious leader that you got? Who is the highest in the temple? Who fasts every single day? Who has recited and memorized every prayer in the Bible? I want to spend time with them. I want to get close to them. But Jesus makes the religious leaders mad because he finds the tax collectors. If you know anything about the day, the tax collectors were one of the most reviled, like people hated tax collectors because they were usually sometimes Jewish people. Matthew was a ex-tax collector where he was Jewish, but then he became a person who worked for the Roman Empire who were suppressing this whole uh, Jewish people and, and allowing them, uh, because they were paying so many taxes, they were getting poor. And some of their family were going hungry. Their kids were starving because they're having to pay all of these taxes. And the tax collectors were not only collecting taxes, they were they were asking for more so that they could get rich. So you have these Jewish people who are watching these tax collectors roll into town with all of this money and all of these things, and they, their family can't eat. And so they hate these tax collectors. They hate what they're about. And they look at Jesus, and who is Jesus spending time with? 
And the religious leaders are upset. They're like, you're eating with the tax collectors and the most sinful people in our city? Are you kidding me, right? Like, we would think that Jesus would come and spend time with the most religious. We think that he would come and spend time with those who are at the top of their field, who have been pursuing God so much. But God is saying, hey, I have come, and his mission becomes really clear. And so Jesus begins to teach, and his primary audience are these religious leaders. And, of course, there's a lot of things that we're going to glean from Luke chapter 15. But he starts in this chain of stories. In fact, he tells three different parables in a row. Anytime you see something happen three times in the Bible, we need to lean in and pay attention because it's a number of completion. It's a number that uh, God uses oftentimes in the Bible uh, to illustrate that. We see that Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days, right? And Jesus died on the cross. Three days later, he rose again. We see that the angels fly around the throne and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We see these, this theme begin to happen a lot in Scripture. And so when he starts the first story, he opens up this parable and he says, you know, if you were a shepherd and you had a hundred sheep, and we maybe you've done a little research, sheep are not the scariest or the brightest animals like you can have, right? They basically just grow a bunch of fluffy skin. You shave it off and then you use it for clothes, right? And so you have these shepherds that they, the sheep require the shepherds to keep them in a huddle, to keep them alive, to keep them moving. And it says out of the hundred sheep, one of them on their own, kind of stupidly, right, wanders off and, and strays. What would a good shepherd do? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, he would go chase the, the sheep down, pick it up, and bring it back. And Jesus is like, a good shepherd, yes, would go and find the sheep. He wouldn't say, oh, there goes my sheep. I got 99 more. Just let them, all, let them go, right? But Jesus says, no, a good shepherd would go and find that sheep and put them on its back and carry it back to the flock and lay it down and, and bring it back into fellowship, right? And then he goes to a second parable that we see, and it says a lady has 10 coins. And these coins are extremely valuable to her, and uh, they're worth a lot of money. And one day she wakes up and she notices she only has nine, and she's, she's missing a coin. And so it says she goes, and because they didn't have electricity back in the day, they light a lantern, and she tears the house apart, flipping stuff, looking for just scouring her entire house, trying to find this one coin and then she finds this coin and what does she do she goes from house to house and finds all of her family all of her friends and she says come celebrate with me because i have found my lost coin and we see this theme begin to take place how there's something that is lost and when it is found it's time to celebrate and when something that the lost has value even when the lost has begun to wander away off of their own cognition, right? Off of their own decisions or their own bad decisions. And then Jesus takes it a step further because Jesus doesn't back down, right? Like he's not afraid of the people that he's talking to. He, he's like, you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth and we're going to keep walking forward in this. So he looks at the religious leaders and he goes, I want to tell you one more story. And he goes into a little bit more detail in Luke chapter 15. And I'm actually going to read it. It's a lot of verses, but y'all are highly intelligent and you love scripture too, right? Amen? Good. And so we're going to read this together. It's going to be on the screens. And it's going to start here in verse 11. And it says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger son of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property, property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property on reckless living. 
And when he had spent everything, a severe famine came, arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to feed the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this is for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother come, has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, this many years ago I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed him, the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate. And be glad, for this is your brother who is dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Everybody still with me? Yeah, very good. So as we read this story, we see how God takes the same theme and he gives it to us in a little bit more detail. In fact, he puts some faces to this story, puts some faces to this theme. And it's pretty fascinating to think about because I want you and I, it's easy to read this and feel disconnected to the story. But imagine being the father and you have worked your entire life, that your entire life savings, you have saved. You have woken up every day at, at 6 a.m., drove to your job, clocked in, worked your uh, fingers down to the bones. And you're just there aching when you come home at night and you take a little bit of money and you throw it into savings and you do it again and you do it again. And you work hard and you build up this property and all of this. And your son comes to you and goes, hey. No, you're not dead yet, but can I go ahead and get you the inheritance that you're going to leave me when you do go? Can I go ahead and get all of that money? And me as a dad, I'm like, no, what are you talking about? But this story, he goes, yeah, go ahead, take it. And you would think the son's going, yes, I'm going to put my portfolio up. I'm going to invest in this. I'm going to start this business, all of this. But it says, no, he leaves and goes and, and starts this reckless living and squanders Every penny that his father gave him. Can you imagine being the father who just gave his life savings, his entire work to this son? And what does he do? He goes and squanders it on wild living. He talks about all of these things that he's done. He like just reckless, lost it all. He can't even feed himself 
And here's the thing. Is Jesus is, is showing this. A lot of times the parable is talking about the prodigal son. Because he left, he ran away from his father. And I look at this, and I'm like, that's a wild story. But it's my story. Because I ran from God. God said, Daniel, I, I have all of this for you. I can lay it all out. I got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I said, let me see what the world has to offer, right? And I turned the other way, and I ran from God the same way this son said, okay, I believe that, but yet I want to see what the world has to offer. I have this itch inside of me that I can't be fulfilled, and he goes and he tries to fill it in the bottom of a bottle, right? He tries to fill it in relationships with, you know, it could be wild women or men or whatever it may be, and he keeps trying to fill this. But he comes to the same conclusion that I came to. This world can't fill us. There's nothing out in this world that will fill the void that you and I have. There's something missing deep in our soul. And we try to fill it with everything that is in this world. It could be money. It could be intellectual, like intellect. It could be uh, the, the next power move at the job. It could be whatever. It could be relationships. It could be whatever it may be. It could be if my kids are successful, then I'll feel fulfilled. Like whatever it may be, right? I'm trying to fill all of this stuff, but the world can't fill us. Jesus is trying to show us it's going to fall Short. It's not going to scratch a need that you have, that desire that you have, because maybe you were made not for this world, but for another world. Maybe you were made for relationship with God. And he begins to show us. And oftentimes in this story, we see that uh, not only did he squander all the money, but then a storm came. You remember Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus was teaching? He says, you, two men build a house. One builds it on sand. One builds it on a strong foundation. And it looks good, right, until the storm comes. And when a storm comes, the house on the sand, we're smart enough to know that thing, that puppy's gone, right? The house is not going to withstand on the sand. And so his life looked pretty good, right, from the outside, living it up. Dad's money, here it is. The storm came and this famine hit. He's going, oh, no. What am I doing? My life is turned upside down because his life was built off of this world and what he was trying to fill it with. And we see that when God comes and that storm comes, we realize and come to the revelation. And this is what God, he, he wants all of us to come to realize that we have fallen short, that the world can't fill us. We can't fill ourselves. We can't come to some special revelation of if we look deeper within ourselves, we're going to see it. No, revelation comes from God. It comes from the spirit living in us. And we see this begin to happen. And the son recognizes what every person must recognize to come to know Jesus is that we recognize that we fall short and that we have a need to be saved. We have a need for a savior. And the son realizes, he says, maybe, maybe, just maybe I can go back to my dad. Just maybe I, I can go back. I, I'm not even worthy to be hired on to his family. And then he begins to write and construct his apology speech, right? That I'm not even worthy to be here. I messed up. But I, maybe you'll just take me in. I'll sleep in the pen. Whatever you need me to do. And then we get this picture, right? We get the son who has messed up, squandered it all. I deeply hurt his father i can only imagine right as the bible would describe because the father represents god in this picture and the bible describes us that we were enemies of god running from god without him and we see the son and the son's walking back right and he's going let me get my apology speech ready oh god 
hope he takes us back. I'm not worthy. I sinned against you. I sinned against heaven. He's doing all that. I can't, I'm not, I can't do this. What, I can't believe I just wasted this. And then we get another picture. In Luke chapter 15, what is the father doing? Is the father going, ooh, that son of mine. I hate him. He spent all of my money, all of my hard work. I can't believe he would do that. No, what we see in Luke chapter 15 is the dad coming out on the porch every night going, oh, I hope my son comes home. I hope my son comes home. I hope he comes to realize he, and he just comes home. And then the son's over here and he's got a speech ready. Oh, no, I just, I, I hope he takes me back. I hope he realizes, I, I just can't believe I spent all this money and the dad's back again. I hope my son comes home today. I hope my son just realizes he, he can't do it on his own. I realize that he's fallen short. Yes, he squandered everything, but just, just come home, son. Just come home. And the son's going back. I just hope he takes me back. I, I'm disgusting. I'm not enough. This is terrible. I don't know what's happening. Maybe, I don't even know if he'll be able to look at me and the dad's over here. Just come home. Where's my son? Please come home. And then we see it right here in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. It says his heart. When his eyes locked on that that's my son and he's coming home, his heart just melted with compassion. And he said, my son is coming home and he can't contain himself and he runs to his son and he gives him this big old wet juicy kiss and he's like come on let's go we're gonna celebrate get tells the servants get the fattened calf get your ring on and like my son is home i can't believe he is home and i can can you imagine being the son like stop it dad stop it this is no i i don't deserve this that's exactly where god wants you and i because we don't deserve it we ran from God, squandered this life, right, moments that he's given us. And we realize I've fallen short and I come to the Father. And in his rich and mercy and grace meets us right there full of compassion. And his son hung on the cross saying, I love you this much. Just come home, son. Come home, daughter. And he's saying, if you will trust in me, I will show you grace. But it comes in the moment of going, I can't do it on my own. Because the enemy will whisper in your ear and he whispers in my ear, hey, you're strong enough. You can do it on your own. Just keep working harder. Keep pushing. Keep making this happen. Keep doing this. Keep doing this. You'll, get, you'll, you'll fulfill it. When you get to that level, that feeling inside, it'll, it'll go away. And then you get there and you're like, ooh, I'm still feeling empty. I'm still feeling like this isn't enough. So, right? But God is going, the only way that you and I can be fulfilled is coming to the Father. Is given our lives to him. And we see something begin to happen because Jesus' message, as he walked through the New Testament, he was walking on this earth, his message was crystal clear. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says that Jesus makes the claim, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Nobody had to guess what Jesus' mission was when he came onto this earth. He's saying, I have come to set the captive free. When he walked down to get baptized with John the Baptist, John the Baptist looked up and said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus' mission was crystal clear to seek and to save those who are lost. And if he's looking at us um, this past week, I got a chance to go to Passion Conference. If you don't know, Passion Conference is the, it's this massive conference in Atlanta where people come from, I mean, I think there were like 70 countries represented, but it was 55,000 plus 
uh, 18 to 25-year-olds packed out in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was pretty spectacular to listen to that worship and all those pieces. Well, Tim Tebow came up, this massive man. I've never heard of Tim Tebow before, uh, but he's this, uh, he used to be, play for Florida Gators, go dogs. And then um, all of these different pieces, right? He played, uh, I think, baseball even. Anyway, he's this big personality, and he comes up and does this little hosting moment. But he makes this statement that is so simple, but yet so clear and, and so profound for you and I. He says, Jesus was on a rescue mission. Now that he rescued us, we are now on the rescue team. I love that. We were rescued. And Jesus met us in the middle of the trenches, loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross. And now you and I, every single Christian that has been rescued on our shirt, rescue team. You're on the team, rescue team. Every single person has given their life to Jesus without any exceptions. You are now on the rescue team. You have a mission. It is crystal clear. Every day that you wake up, I'm going to put my shirt on. Rescue team, right? I'm going to make up some shirts. I'm going to put it underneath every time we go to work. Rescue team. I'm ready to go. Why? Because I've been rescued. I'm on the lifeboat. Why would I just drive by and say, good luck? But I'm on the rescue team. Let's go. Let me organize some more things, more boats. Let's get out there. There's other people out there that are trying to get the world to fulfill them. But we hold the message, the true message of going, but Jesus can fulfill that for you. John chapter 14 says, peace that I give, this world can't give it. That only comes from Jesus. And you and I hold the answer to that. And he is saying that you and I are on the rescue team. And then we get another peak in desire of God. Because in all three of these stories, when they find the person or the thing that is lost, what happens? This, this celebration erupts. They're like, whoa, like, I can't believe I found my lost coin. I found the lost sheep. And then the son comes home. You would think he would like slap him across the face and go, come on now. Why would you do that? But no, he celebrates and the older son comes up. And what does he hear? He's like, like they're in there dancing. The Bible says dancing and celebrating. And they're like, what? Why? Because my son has come home. So I want to do something as a church. Um. That's why these lovely young men are standing here. Will you guys come join me on stage right here? Uh, these look like ordinary young men, but they're not. They are. So in 2023, all four of these guys were baptized. How awesome is that? Yeah, yeah. So I want, what I want to do is first service blew me away. Okay, like I was expecting one thing and then they just blew me away. What I want to do, a, a principle we hear in Luke chapter 15, all of heaven celebrates over one person who repents and comes to know Jesus. All of heaven, angels, they're in heaven going, yes, this is amazing. They have come home. They've come to know Jesus. We have four young men right here last year who were baptized and made the public uh, proclamation that have given their lives to Jesus. And so as a church, I want to take the next few seconds and just celebrate. You guys celebrate with me? You guys ready? Yes, let's celebrate. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's right. You guys can celebrate too if you want. That's so good. That's right. God is good. That's right. God is good. He still saves. Amen? Amen. High five. High five. High five all around. All around. That's what I'm talking about. Good job. Thank you guys. Y'all are awesome. Good job. <laughs> As they run through the curtain. That, that's it. All of heaven celebrates every 
single time somebody gives their life to Jesus. Why wouldn't we? How special is that, that God has invited us into this journey, that we get to be on the rescue team? I'm, I shouldn't be on the rescue team. I ran from him, right? And so when I'm talking to people and they're going, well, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can do this. You're like, neither could I. I just gave my life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit started leading me, guiding me, and changed me, and directing me. And he is the one that is good. I am not good. Jesus is good. That's why as a church, our mission is to connect people to Jesus daily. Because he is the answer. He is the cure, right? And we're just part of the rescue team that God is calling us to. And he's calling each and every one of us to do that. My prayer is that we are not a church that just allows stuff like kids getting baptized and giving their lives to Jesus haphazardly happen. That's a miracle. And it's a testimony that God is faithful and that he is good, that he is still alive and active today and he can save souls in 2024. And as a church, we're just praying on these 21 days of intentional prayer and fasting. And God always puts it on my heart, pray for the lost. Pray for the lost in your area. Pray for the lost. Why did we plant a church? Because there's 119,000 people in Jasper County and Beaufort County who on the census said they don't go to church anywhere. They don't have any religious affiliation at all. They themselves checked that on the census. 119,000 people that we interact with every single day that we're just longing. And the, the desire of God is that they would come home. And we as a church, the desire of our church is that they would hear about this message. And we would leave this place with our shirts underneath, rescue team, ready to roll, right? Ready to rock, ready to see. But as this Luke chapter 15, and I would even argue the main character of this story is the one we're about to talk about. Because who is Jesus? Who's the target audience that Jesus is talking to? The religious leaders, right? Because they've lost their way. Because they were, they're saying, I'm leading all of these people to God. But yet, when a person comes to know God, and when Jesus himself tries to talk to someone who is lost, their response is anger. Why are you eating with such people? Why are you talking with such scum of the earth? Like, why are you even associating with them? And what does the older son do? He comes home, and he, like, he hears the party going on. He hears the celebration. And what is his response? Anger. What? You would say them, God? Are you like really them? Do you know what they have done? Do you know who they voted for last time? Do you know what happened? Do you know the way that they act, God? Do you know what they did to me? Do you, all of these different things, right? And their response is anger. And I think the danger for you and I. The longer we're in relationship with Jesus, the easier that can happen, right? Because we can continue to get further in our Christian bubble and Christian bubble and Christian bubble. When Jesus says, my mission was clear, to seek and to save those who are lost. And he says, in fact, he grabs his disciples together and then he goes, hey, I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. Look, I'm not an animal expert, but a sheep and a wolf. Like, come on, those are two different animals. Like, I'm supposed to be a sheep, and you're sending me into a wolf den? Come on, God. God is going, look, I, I don't want it to be about you. I want them to go, wow, that, you, you came, right? You're talking to me? And God came to seek and to save every single person who would give their lives 
to him. Every single person who would surrender to him. And you and I, we are on the rescue team. And I think we need to be careful because we're going to start praying, God, help me to see the world the way that you see it. God, help me and put me in the path of people, right? And we're going to see somebody and go, you want me to talk to them, God? Oof, right? Like, right, because what's going to happen is, is God's going to work through us, through you. And they're going to go, there's no reason why you would talk to me on a regular basis. And we go, oh, it's because Jesus Jesus placed it on my heart. In fact, I started praying for you about six months ago. You didn't know this, but I was praying for you. And uh, now we're having this conversation. All these different pieces begin to come into play. But I think the danger is we can't let our hearts get hardened. We can't let our hearts because Jesus, I mean, he was accused. I didn't say Jesus was going out and sinning with them, right? Like he was participating in all the sin that they were doing. No, but he did hang out with them. He did take them to lunch. He did take them to breakfast. He did spend time with them so that he could share the truth with them. He could tell them, hey, this is who I am. And God was willing to cross any and every boundary, right? That's one of the things I love when I read the, the um, gospels with Jesus is he wasn't fearful. No, he just kept crossing boundaries. He kept sitting at tables and going, you're sitting at that table. You're talking with them. Jesus is like, yeah, what are you talking about? This is why I came. Just seeking to save those lost people will do what lost people do, right? They don't have the living God dwelling in them, changing them, helping them make decisions, right? Well, the Bible describes walking around blind, right? Lost, all of these things. But you and I, we have the light in us. God is going, hey, don't, don't place that expectation on them, but yet share the truth with them. Let them know. And so as, as we get ready to close here today, and I tried to say, you know what, I'm going to stay cool, calm, and collected today. You know, I'm just going to kind of get the message out. But I get you to get too excited because the message is, is true. And I see it over every year we've planted our church. There's been people who continue to get saved and continue to get baptized. And it just keeps happening and it keeps happening and it keeps happening. Not because of who we are, but because we will always lift up the name of Jesus. We will always point to the cross, right? We will always point to who he is and that the gospel can still save. And there's so much power in the gospel. And so I want to challenge us as a church. One is, uh, we just begin to pray this prayer. God, help me to see the world the way that you see the world. God, begin to peel the layers back on my heart. And help me to see people the way that you see people. And just watch what God does. Because he's faithful. He answers prayer. But when we begin to pray that prayer, he began to show us certain things. And then I would challenge and encourage you to um, pick back up Luke chapter 15 and read it again this week. Maybe over the next few months. And just read these three parables and see the desires of God. See the heart of God. But not only that, what if we familiarize ourselves with this story enough? where when we run into someone and we feel like they're running from God and we go, hey, can I tell you a quick story, right? And all of a sudden we share a little bit this parable with them. That's how Jesus, right? That's how he was teaching and directing and guiding, right? When we run into someone, we're able to grab this parable to go, hey, can I tell you this story a little bit? This guy, he, he asked for his dad's inheritance. Whew, can you imagine doing that, right? And then he, he thought the world could fulfill him, but then it couldn't. And when he came home, his father was waiting with his loving arms open. Because his son realized he couldn't do it on his own. And he turned from his ways and came to the father. And then we go, hey, God has that same answer for you. If you're willing to realize I have fallen short, I, I need a savior. I, I realize I'm dead in my sin. And yet I believe that Jesus is there and that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. He died on the cross for me. Three days later, he rose again. 
and I surrender my life to him. And that's just the beginning, right? That's just the beginning because then God takes us on this grand journey where there's angels and demons fighting for our attention and fighting for the souls of men and women and children and all of these different pieces. And he doesn't say, hey, you sit on the sidelines. You just hang out over there. I'll take care of the big stuff. He goes, no, I'm going to work through you. Go ahead, get on in the game. Get out there. You're on the rescue team. Let's go, right? And he begins to use us for his glory. But it takes us believing that and believing it to the point where we're going, okay, God, today's Monday. Is your day. I'm on the rescue team. Got my shirt on. Rescue team today, God. Use me, right? I'm, I'm, I got to get ready. I'm on the rescue team. I got to get ready. What's Luke 15 say, right? I got to get ready. Somebody may, may want to know what the truth is. And so now my hunger increases for the word. My hunger, I'm, I'm asking, I'm getting closer to the people that are around me. Like, hey, you know the Bible a lot. Can I ask you this question? What do you think about this? Okay, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, discipleship happens. And there's this intensity. Because when I'm on the sideline, right? It's football season. We're doing all this. I'm standing on the sideline. I'm just kind of playing with my helmet. I'm not in the game, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. But if I'm in the game, I better, my head better be on a swivel because somebody's about to come knock me out if I'm not ready, right? Because I'm in the game. You're in the game. We just think we're on the sideline, but we're in the game, right? And the, and the enemy's going, oh, easy target, easy target, easy target. They don't even know they're in the game. Easy target, right? But God's going, hey, you're in the game. You're on the rescue team. There is an adversary, an enemy out there who doesn't want this message to continue. He wants people to go out and think the world will give them everything that they need and fill that void and all of these different pieces. And we go, no, it won't, right? When I first came into ministry, I'm going a little long, but that's okay. Uh, when I first got into ministry, somebody told me, it's like, you can learn from mentors or you can learn from mistakes. And I remember then thinking, you know what? I want as many mentors as I can. Because I've already made enough mistakes, right? Like early on, I already made enough mistakes. I want to learn from mentors. So you and I, we can go as a, on the rescue team and go, hey, look, can I go ahead and tell you so you don't have to make the same mistakes that I made? I already did it. Look, I promise, I already did it. I was there. You know, sometimes people are just stubborn and they want to go try to build their house on sand. But anyway, when a storm comes, you and I are right there. Hey, see, look, I'm here for you, though. Look, I'm, we're going to walk through this together. I'm, I'm not going to leave. But yet there's a better way. There's a better Way we begin to introduce people and connect them to Jesus daily. But it starts with our hearts having the same desire as God. It starts with the revelation of going, wow, I, I am in the game. And God does want to use me. And he is rich in mercy and grace and love. And my response can't be apathy, but it also can't be anger. And so I, I'm right here in that sweet spot, just pursuing and following God every step of the way. And so I want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here. We're going to continue to worship, but those are the two things I would leave us with. Let's begin to pray as we start the beginning of this year. God, help me to see what you see. And I want to dive into Luke chapter 15 and really just embody this and allow it to penetrate into my heart, into my soul. And, and, and maybe for us, I, I, maybe there's some, a faith step that you're still waiting to take, but you're going, I need to go ahead and just take that. I need to go ahead and do that because I'm on the rescue team. I don't need to stand back anymore, but I'm ready to take that faith step. And so if you want to give your life to Jesus, I would, I would encourage you, come see us in the Connect Center, fill out the Connect card. We want to walk you through it because the greatest decision you could ever make in 2024 is to give your life to Jesus. It's just the beginning. That's the starting line that God is calling us to. And so I just want to pray for us, ask God uh, to bless the rest of our time. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, God, and three days later rose again. Thank you for your inconceivable love 
it's hard for us to even fathom, God, that you sent your son to put on flesh and bones, to take our place on the cross, to pay for our penalty, God. And I pray that we never forget that. The cost of sin is death. God, and you paid the cost for us. Thank you so much. I pray that we don't be a church that um, becomes apathetic to the loss that are in and around us every single day. I pray that we don't get apathetic to those who give their lives to Jesus. But we celebrate with heaven every single time someone comes to know you, Jesus. I pray that you would help us to see the world the way that you see it, God. That you would burden our hearts. And I pray that we would lean into it with prayer, God, with spoken word. That we would speak your word and speak your truth. And we would live it out because it's radically changed our life as well. Use us for your glory, God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.